Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Love and appreciate each and every one of you. All throughout England, there is a type of bird called the cuckoo bird. The interesting thing about this particular bird is that it never, according to what I researched and saw and read, it never builds its own nest. For when it's time to lay an egg, the cuckoo bird will find another nest that has eggs in it. And it will hurriedly land while the parent bird of that nest is gone. The cuckoo bird will fly into that nest. It will lay its egg and it will leave. Most of the time, this other nest and this other parent bird that has already laid its eggs in its own nest is a type of bird called a thrush. So now once the thrush has made its way back from its journey, getting food, whatever, for its uh, chicks. It now lands in its nest and it finds one more egg in its nest than when it left. Not realizing that there's one more egg in it, it gets to work just taking care of the eggs like it normally would. Eventually, the little beaks come through the, the egg and the little hatchlings come out of the egg and a few little thrushes and one very large cuckoo bird hatch in the same nest. The mama thrush goes off early in the morning to secure food for her brood and when she comes back, she's confronted with a few petite little mouths and one very large demanding mouth. So who do you think gets the food? The cuckoo bird. As you can imagine, because it gets the majority of the food, the, the cuckoo bird gets bigger and bigger. And the little thrushes get smaller and smaller. Until eventually they say that you can find a cuckoo bird by simply walking along a hedgerow until you find dead thrushes lying on the ground. And when you look up, you will find a nest. And in that nest, you will find a tiny adult thrush that is three times smaller than the baby cuckoo bird that it continues to feed. One nest, but two types of birds with two totally different natures. And the one that was fed was the one that grew stronger. And the one that wasn't fed was the one that died. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. For within the singleness of these one body, of this one body that you and I possess, dwells two different natures. One body, two totally different natures. And the nature that we feed will grow, strengthen, and mature. And the nature that we starve will diminish and weaken and die. Paul would speak of these two natures when writing the church at Galatia. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. The word of the Lord says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the, fle the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other contrary two different natures at war two natures in one body for the spirit of God is at work within us 
and the nature of God's glory and God's holiness and God's righteousness is at work and it is present within us since we've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But how many also know we have a carnal, sinful, fleshly propensity, nature that is also within us? If you think you lost your propensity to please your flesh when you were filled with the Holy Ghost, you're sadly mistaken. Oh, I wish that would have been the case. But we still live in a natural, fleshly body. So I just want to teach tonight on this subject, feed one and starve the other. And just so there was no confusion in the minds of the Galatians, Paul made it very plain to them the characteristics of both natures. This is so important, he wanted them to get it. He wanted them to understand it. He wanted them to know for sure and to be confronted with the reality of what nature was the strongest in them. Which nature was the most powerful at work in their life. In order to do so, Paul begins to make lists so that they can try to help understand the things in their lives that may be stronger than others, the things that they should feed, the things that they should starve. And so Paul begins to write under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. <clears throat> now, the works of the flesh, this is the one nature. The works of the flesh are manifest, <coughs> which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means unbridled lust, lust that is out of control. Idolatry, witchcraft. Hatred, variance. Variance means strife or discord, contention, fighting. Emulations. Emulations means purposely trying to get other people to be jealous over the things you have. Wrath, strife, strife at home, causing strife at home or causing strife in the church. If you are always causing strife. This is, Paul is speaking here of these things that you are feeding. Seditions, heresies, envy, murder, <clears throat> drunkenness, revelings. And then he says, and such like. What he's saying there is, this isn't a complete list. I just wanted to get you thinking these are a few things, but there are other things as well. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not just a personality issue. It's not just a flaw. That's no big deal. It's not just, well, that's just who I am. When we have these things in our lives, according to the word of the Lord, says we will not be able to inherit the kingdom of God. So we see and we understand tonight that if we feed into those things, if we feed our fleshly, carnal, sinful nature, then those things are going to continue to be attributes in our lives. And they are going to have the power and the ability to affect us greatly in a negative way. And the thing that we need to understand is this, because as you went through that list, there might have been many of those things that you said, well, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. And we kind of pat ourselves on the back a little bit. I don't do that. I don't do that. But what we need to understand is that it does not matter that we might not participate in most of those things. If we are participating in any one of those things, then we are feeding the nature. 
that make sense? For instance, you might not eat chicken, but if you eat beef and fish and pork, just because you don't eat chicken, you're still feeding yourself. So let's not think ourselves higher than we should simply because we don't participate in most of those things. For to participate in even one of those things is to feed the fleshly, carnal nature that wars against the things of God. This is what the writer of Hebrews was referencing when he says this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the what? Notice there's no S on the end of that. The sin, singular, which doth so easily beset us. We need to understand this tonight. Hell understands full well that he can't tempt you or deceive you with the majority of the things on that list. Right? There's a lot of sinful stuff that you could put, you could fill this room with it, and I wouldn't be tempted in the least. Right? But his goal and his intention is to not get us to fall in every category. He doesn't need us to fall into every category. His intention is to simply get us to continue to fall in one particular category. Just one. That's it. You say, well, man, you know, I don't, I murder nobody. That's good. You know, I, 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 I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do that. Yeah, I might cause a little strife, I might be a little jealous, I might, you know, but I don't, I don't do all that other stuff, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing good and, and the word of the Lord is trying to help us understand that the enemy, he knows us. And he, he just has this whole gamut of things that he can use. And he's like, I'm not going to get them with this. And they're not tempted with this and this and this and this and this. But here's their issue right here. Here's their issue right here. And so I'm just going to keep hammering that thing. And they're going to keep feeding that thing. If they're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're going to keep feeding that thing. And because they feed it, the carnalness of who they are is just going to keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the spiritualness of who they are is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. Does that make sense? That's the enemy's intent and that's the enemy's purpose. He's very subtle and he's very wise. There's a lot of stuff he's not even going to attempt. But there are those things that many times that particular one thing that we just struggle with. And he's going to keep hammering it as long as we keep feeding it. He's going to keep hammering it. He's going to keep scooping it up if we keep eating it. That gives clarification to the curse that was placed upon the devil in, I believe, in the book of Genesis. For the book says this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, now this the serpent was in the form of, or, or Satan was in the form of a serpent. So he's speaking here of not just some random snake, but it was of Satan himself. Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, we got to get this. There, there's no studies anywhere that have ever shown or proven that any snake anywhere in any part of the world actually eats dust or dirt. So when it says the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life, it's not talking about snakes eating actual dust or dirt. It's talking about the fact that when God created man in the beginning, he formed him out of the what? The dust, the dirt. Therefore, dust and dirt represents that which is fleshly, that which is carnal. Carnal doesn't always mean bad. Carnal just means fleshly. This is telling us that snakes are forced to move 
in the natural to slither, to find food, and to do, to do that which is necessary to survive in the dust and in the dirt. So we see that the only way Satan can survive in life, in a life, and the power of Satan can continue to work is through the appetite of that which is fleshly, carnal. It's the only way he can continue to work is if he has, if he can feed on that which is carnal, sinful, and fleshly. We have to understand he has no strength other than that which we give him. He has no power other than that which we afford him. And how do we do that? We give him the strength and the power because we feed on that which is sinful. We feed on it. You have to understand this. To say, I had no choice, Pastor. I, there wasn't anything I could do to resist the temptation. That's to believe a lie. We have the decision. We make the choice to fail, to falter, to sin, to give into the sinful proclivities of our life. And when we do that, Satan in us gets stronger. Not because he has the power, but because we gave him the power. Does that make sense? He has no power over us. He cannot control us. He's not greater than the God that is inside of us. But the only reason why the enemy of our soul has the ability to steal, kill, and destroy, he can't just come into your life and steal, kill, and destroy. We have to let him. We have to let him do those things. We have to give him the power to do those things. And we do that by partaking and feeding the part of our life that is fleshly and carnal and sinful. And he gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. But then Paul flips the script and he shows us the other nature that is within us all if we've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. For he says this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. I showed you what the fruits of unrighteousness were and of wrong and all of that, but let me show you what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now listen, I, I realize tonight that we all need to grow in all of these areas. Nobody's hit the mark. Nobody's achieved, right? <clears throat> but the question isn't if we've reached the pinnacle of each one of those things. The question is, are we feeding our spiritual nature or are we feeding our fleshly nature? He's not asking us to be perfect. He's just asking which one are we feeding? You understand? Because whatever gets fed gets stronger and whatever is starved gets weaker. So what is stronger in our lives? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or is it jealousy, strife, envy, immorality, carnality, fleshly desires? Which one of those things is stronger in our lives? I'm not talking about what we do on Sundays. I'm not talking about what we do on Thursdays. I'm not talking about what we do around church people. I'm talking about which craving is the strongest. What are we feeding the most? We spend such and such amount of time on social media, movies, TV, on and on and on, and then we spend how much time on the things of God reading the Bible? What are we feeding? What are we feeding the most? Paul ends up by saying this, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh 
with the affections and the lusts. So if, if you're Christ and you're doing what Christ has called us to do, then we need to be crucifying those affections that we used to have, those lusts that we used to have for those carnal things. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us feed the Spirit. Crucify the flesh, walk in the Spirit. Those that are truly in Christ are living out their lives in such a way as to continue every day to crucify our flesh. Take up our cross, not on Sundays, but we are to take up our cross every day. Crucify our flesh every day in order that we might walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. You can't, you can't feed yourself with all manner of carnality and then also expect to walk in the Spirit. Come on, somebody. It's impossible. People are like, well, Pastor, I just don't hear from God. I just, I just don't hear the voice of God. I just, I just don't ever know if God's talking to me. And I, and I ask him, well, what are you feeding yourself with? And they spend so much time on just, you know, I'm not harping on movies and TVs and devices and social media. I'm not necessarily preaching against it. I'm just saying they spend so much time on all that stuff. And then they're like, I, I don't know why I can't hear God. I can't hear God's voice. I don't know what's going on, preacher. I just don't feel anything in church. We become so, our feelings get so desensitized through all of those things. And then we come to the house of the Lord and we don't feel anything. Our, our emotions and our minds and our eyes and our, everything's been bombarded by so much stuff that we've just, we've kind of grown numb to those feelings. And we don't understand why we don't feel the presence of the Lord like we used to feel the presence of the Lord. What, what, what are we feeding? What are we feeding? This is, this, is the, this is the conflict of two natures that we're talking about tonight. And let me tell you something. We're going to have this conflict until we die or until the trumpet sounds. So we better get this figured out. It's not going anywhere. This battle is going to be in us and one side's going to be victorious and one side's going to be the loser every day that we live. So we need to make sure that the right side is victorious. Come on, somebody. Paul knew very well this battle that rages within us all. And he would write about it in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. The, the will to do right is present. I want to do right. But performing that which is right, sometimes I don't find that. Sometimes I don't do that. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I don't do. He's not saying all the time. He's just saying there's a battle going on here. But the evil, which I don't want to do, sometimes that's the very thing I do. Now, if I do that, what I don't want to do, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I'm feeding the sinful nature that is in me. I find then a law that when I would do good. Evil is present with me. Here's the battle. I want to do good, but evil's fighting. <clears throat> Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. It's so very plain here, the battle that is going on here. And there's not a person in this room that's exempt from it. I don't care how who you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. The things I don't want to do, those are the things that sometimes I end up doing. 
And the things I do want to do, those are the things that I don't always do. The battle of natures, the battle of wills, the battle of these things is within us all. But it's not a battle. This is important that you understand this. It's not a battle that cannot be won. Somebody's like, well, you know, I'm just, maybe I have good days and bad days and some, sometimes I'll win, sometimes I'll lose, and that's just the way it is. No, this isn't a battle that cannot be won. We are more than conquerors. Right? We are victorious through Christ Jesus. All of these other verses, they're, they're not saying that we're mostly conquerors. We're mostly victorious. We're victorious, you know, five days out of the week. But there's nothing you can do about the other two days. That's not, that's not what the scripture teaches us. We can be victorious in our Christian walk. We just have to be very intentional about what we are feeding. <clears throat> Amen? So I, 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 want, I, I want you to see this again. What Paul says here in Romans, for this is, this is the key to it all. Transition here, I'm going to help somebody. But this is the key to it all right here. Look at what he says, Romans 7.23. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my what? Mind. It's up right here. And then that brings me into captivity to sin. But I didn't start off in captivity. It first had to start And what we have to understand is that when it's just here, we're not yet captive to the sin. Because if it's just here, we haven't sinned yet. Sin starts somewhere. It starts here, and then we act it out. Then it becomes sin, and we become captive to it. We need to understand through the power of the Holy Ghost we absolutely have the ability to win this war that's going on between our ears. The Holy Ghost is powerful. We are not helpless. We are not just like, well, I, there's nothing I can do about this. The enemy's strong and he's powerful. No, he's not. He's only strong and powerful if we feed it. We don't have to do that stuff. Nobody's making us look at that and go there and participate in that thing. Nobody's making us cause strife. Nobody's making us be jealous. Nobody's making us be angry. Nobody's making us do those things. We are doing those things of our own choice. It's not God's will that we continually struggle in these areas. It's not God's will that we continually fail in these areas. Somebody needs to hear me right now. It's not God's will that we do good for five days and then fail and do good for three days and then fail. He that the Son has set free is free indeed, not free for a few days and then falls back into bondage. That's not the will of God. That's not what the word of the Lord has promised to us, and that's not what we are supposed to be living out in our Christian walk. And if that is what we're living out in our Christian walk, it's because we are feeding something we shouldn't feed. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let's just, let's just get real. Let's just get real. We used to always talk about pornography with the men, but that's just not the case anymore. But individuals that... Or involve themselves with pornography. And, you know, I, I did good for three or four days and then I failed. I did good for three or four days and I failed. Okay, do you have filters? Well, I, no, I don't, I don't have filters. Okay, so what does, that, what does that do? That means you can feed yourself with whatever you want to feed yourself with. Come on, somebody. And then we wonder why we're not victorious in this area of our life. It's because we are allowing areas to feed us 
that will cause us to fail. And we allow them. Jesus, help us right now. We allow them. I just, I just can't seem to overcome this area of my life. Okay, what was the last movie you watched? What was it rated? That was rated R. What, what are we doing? What are we feeding? Oh, hallelujah. And I asked, I asked God today in, in preparation, I, you know, just with all these things, I, I want to I, I preach to myself tonight. I want to starve everything in my life that shouldn't be there. Every area in my life that I'm even, even if I just got a little, what's a tea, the little drop thing called? Never mind. Little drop that I'm feeding it. Even if it's small is my point. Even if I'm feeding it just a little bit. Might not be feeding it steak, but if I'm feeding it that gross green stuff we used to give our kids. Baby food stuff. I want to cut that out. Come on, somebody. What am I entertaining that I shouldn't be entertaining? I'm not doing anything, but, but what if I'm just entertaining it? Oh, hallelujah. So we need to understand. We need to understand what are we feeding? What's in our home? On and on and on. The battle for our souls, this battle for victorious Christian living and liberty, it is going to be won or lost in our minds. But what we have to understand is what we feed is what, is what comes into our minds. Am I right? Now listen, we, we know there's junk everywhere, and you, you can have every filter on everything, and we should. But we can't put filters on billboards. Right? And we can't put filters on how people are going to dress in the world and all that kind of stuff. And so we just need to understand that we've got to be able to control what feeds our minds. That's why Paul would encourage the Colossians by saying this. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Is this okay tonight? Colossians 3 and 2 says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And this is the key to the whole thing again. For again, Paul is telling us the battlefield of which these two natures always collide is the mind. That word affection is speaking of our mind. It's speaking of our thoughts. Set your mind, set your thoughts on the things that are above, on the spiritual things. Do not set your affections, do not set your mind on the fleshly things, the carnal things, the sinful things of this earth. Oh, hallelujah. Hear me, hear me. What, hear me very carefully. Whatever our minds dwell on, is what we're feeding the most. It's what we're feeding the most. Whatever we think about the most is what we are feeding the most. Things above, things below. Spiritual, carnal. Whatever we contemplate, whatever we consider the most is whatever we're feeding the most. You say, well, I don't, know. I don't know if I believe that. The book says this, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh, so he is. Whatever we think about, whatever we contemplate the most, will eventually become who we are and what we become. You say, well, I can think about all that stuff and I'm going to have to do it. No, you're going to do it if you think about it long enough. <clears throat> Why? Because most everything we think about can fall into one of those two categories, things above or things below. Spiritual, carnal. Godly, ungodly. Righteous, unrighteous. And whatever we think about is the nature that we're going to feed. 
And whatever nature we feed the most is going to be become is going to become what controls us. Hear me now. And what dictates to us. If all we ever think about is what others have done, and or or what others have, excuse me, if all we ever think about is, man, they have this and look at that, this and they have that, then we need to understand that we are feeding jealousy. We're feeding that nature where jealousy resides. Hallelujah. If we continue to continually think or often think about sexually immoral things, then we're feeding that nature where fornication and adultery dwells. If we continue thinking about the failures of others or about how others may have hurt us in the past, then we're feeding that nature where hatred and unforgiveness reside. If we're always thinking about how wrong people are and how they didn't do what they should have done, we're feeding the nature where strife and discord resides. Well, they shouldn't have said this, and they shouldn't have done this, and why do you talk to me this way, and blah, 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 blah. If we're always thinking about those things, we're feeding into that nature where strife and discord dwells. If we're always thinking about how negative everything is, we're feeding that nature where negativity resides. I mean, you know what? This we could keep going and going and going with that list. <clears throat> but there, if we think about the wrong things, it's feeding into the wrong nature. Christians, how many know because Christ forgave us, we are to forgive all others? Irrespective of what they've done. Right? Why? Because Christ forgave us. Do they deserve it? We don't forgive because people deserve it. We forgive because Christ forgave us. He modeled to us what forgiveness looks like. Right? And so, I think it would do us all a bit of good to just go down memory lane for a moment and just kind of think about all the stuff he forgave us of. And then we're not going to, or then we shouldn't have a real problem saying, oh, I don't have a problem forgiving you. Why? Because I know what I've been forgiven of. Right? But here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We know because of that, the word of the Lord instructs us over and over and over to forgive. So why is it, why is it that we can still be bitter about things and have unforgiveness about things that are that are maybe have happened months or even years ago in our lives and, and, and we haven't truly forgiven and we have unforgiveness, which leads to bitterness and anger and resentment, and all this kind of stuff. Why is that still in us? And I'll tell you why. Why a saint of God gets to that point after years where they still can't forgive. Here's why. They won't stop thinking about it. That's why. They won't stop thinking about it. They're always thinking about what the person did. Always, always, always. They rehash it over and over and over again. They play it over on a loop in their mind over and over again. Things that other people have forgotten about, things that are under the blood of Jesus Christ, they remember in crystal clear clarity. Why? Because they think about it all the time. <clears throat> and then... They wonder why they have such a hard time forgiving. Whatever we feed, that nature is going to be strengthened. It's going to grow. It's going to increase. So we have to know that whatever we're thinking about, whatever we're dwelling on, is feeding that nature. That's why I believe the book says this, Isaiah chapter 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered 
nor come into mind. Get this, God has done a new thing in our life. He has given us a new nature. Because of that, we need to always stop, we need to stop remembering what happened before. Come on, somebody. Nor come into mind. We need to stop dwelling on this stuff. Hallelujah. You say, well, are you just saying we should just sweep it on the rug and pretend like it didn't happen? No, I'm saying we need to forgive biblically. And I'm not saying that that, that, that could happen overnight. But I'm saying we need to be intentional about whatever we need to do in order to fully, completely, biblically, spiritually forgive. So that five years down the road, ten years down the road, we're still not thinking about it all the time. Because whatever we think about feeds the wrong nature. Somebody said amen. You see, that's why Paul would tell the church of Philippi this. I'm, I'm kind of coming to a close. But this is why Paul would tell the church of Philippi this. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If it's true, think about it. If it's honest, think about it. If it's just, think about it. If it's pure, think about it. If it's lovely, think about it. If it's a good report, think about it. If there's any virtue in it, think about it. But if not, don't think about it. Oh, hallelujah. If it doesn't have those characteristics, then don't dwell on it. Deal with it. Forgive. I'm, I'm not saying just try to put it out of your mind. I'm just, I'm, I'm saying deal with it biblically and correctly. Release. Forgive. And then don't keep harboring the thought in your mind. Why? Because if we kill it in our minds, we kill it in our lives. Because this is where it starts. If you want it out of your life, kill it in your mind. And this, this isn't just about unforgiveness. This is about anything. Where, where do you struggle? Where do I struggle? What area do we struggle in? That sin, that besetting sin. What area is that? Okay, well, let's kill it in our mind. So how do we kill it in our mind? Well, whatever the sin is, you ask God to help you. You make changes. You put up guardrails so that those things don't have the ability to come into your mind. And when they do, then and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but you get it out quick. You don't dwell on it. You don't think about it. The book says it like this, Matthew 15 and 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth cometh forth from the heart. Heart there is not this thing that's beating in your chest. Heart is the mind, the thoughts. So whatever comes out first had to start somewhere. Whatever you act out didn't start in the action. It started in your mind. And they are the things that defile the man. For out of the heart, out of the mind, proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. So where does all of those things start? In the mind. They start here, and then we act them out. So if we can get the victory here, then we will never act them out. And we can get the victory here. Oh, hallelujah. If we kill it in our minds, it will not have the opportunity to come out. And here's why this is so important. For the book says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many want life and peace? Okay, well, this is so very plain. To be carnally minded, to think, to feed yourself with carnal things is death. 
spiritually minded, life and peace. Well, pastor, I just want peace. I want peace in my life. I want peace. Okay, then you have to be spiritually minded. You have to think more about spiritual things. You have to feed the spiritual things greater than you feed the carnal things. That word carnally, carnal, the carnally minded is death. That word carnally comes from the same root word where we get the word carnivorous. It simply means to partake of that which is fleshly, carnivore. So once again, we see that we can partake of, ingest, or dwell on that which is fleshly. But to do that is death. If we dwell on that which is fleshly, that's death. Or we can be spiritually minded, think upon that which is spiritual and godly and biblical, and the outcome is going to be life and peace. Listen, listen. The outcome of both of those things should not surprise us because the Bible is very plain. We, can't, we should not be surprised when we feed carnal things and areas in our life dies. Good things die. We shouldn't be surprised. Well, what caused that to happen? We shouldn't be surprised. We also shouldn't be surprised when we feed the spiritual side of things and we have life and peace. Hallelujah. Those that predominantly have their minds set upon that which is carnal and upon that which is fleshly will always experience death in their life in some form or fashion. I'm not talking about physical death necessarily, but it's death to anointing, death to ministry, death to calling, death to purpose, death to testimony, death to their faith, death to their witness, death to their joy, death to their peace, death to their laughter, right? It could be a myriad of different things, but there's going to be death in areas of their life if they continually feed that which is fleshly. Hallelujah. Something precious in us is going to die if we feed the flesh. That's what the word of the Lord says. But on the other hand, when we are spiritually minded and when we dwell upon the things that are pure and holy and of a good report, then the book says we will experience life and peace. And let me just tell you something. If up until this point you have dwelled on that which is earthly and fleshly and you are experiencing death in areas of your life, you can turn it around. Just because that's where you are now doesn't mean that's where you have to be tomorrow. Because you have the ability to think upon right things. So just start now Dwell on the things that are right and start seeing death turned to life. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. You don't have to stay dead in that area. Life can begin to flow back into anointing, back into calling, back into purpose, back into your testimony, back into your joy, back into your peace. Life can flow back into the areas of your life that were once dead, but it's not up to God. It's up to us. Because he's not going to force us to think on things. You know, I told you this several times, but, you know, the Lord convicts me. He convicted me and, and a year or so ago, a couple years ago, I was like, God, purify my mind, purify my mind. And the Lord just stopped me and said, no. You purify your mind. You're the one feeding it junk. What am I going to do? You put it in there. You purify your mind. Now, yeah, he can forgive us of sin, but if my mind's going to be purified, it's going to be because I start thinking pure things, putting in pure things. Hallelujah. So peace and life can flow into areas of our life that have been dead or that are dying. 
Praise God for that. Praise God for that. If that's what you want tonight, if you want life and peace in your home, peace in relationships, peace in your future, peace in your present, you want life and, and, and in, in your walk with God, just start thinking that which is pure and holy and have a good report. I'm going to feed right things. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to think holy things. I'm going to think pure things. Now, here's the deal, and I, I'm, I'm almost done. But somebody says, well, pastor, I just can't stop thinking about those things. I just can't stop. The book says this, 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. Ready? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every, not most, not some, not the majority, but we have, according to the word of the Lord, the ability to bring into captivity every single thought until it begins to obey Christ. Oh, hallelujah. So if you're believing that lie that's telling you that I just can't stop thinking about it, you're believing a lie. That's not the word of the Lord. And you need to start thinking and dwelling on what the Bible tells you instead of what the devil has been telling you. Listen, you're going to think about something. We can't just have a blank mind. You're going to think about something. So wrestle every wrong thought until it comes into obedience to the right thought of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. This is why we don't, you know, we, we, don't, we don't wrestle against spirits. We don't wrestle against all this kind of stuff. When the Bible talks about principalities and high places and on and on and on, yes, we are to wrestle, but we don't wrestle those things. You only wrestle something if the thing you're wrestling has power. That's the only way you wrestle, grapple, fight something is if the thing you're having to fight against has power. The devil has no power. So the Bible tells us in that same passage of Scripture, it tells us what we are to wrestle. It says the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? The wiles are the lies. You've heard me teach this, but somebody needs a reminder. It's the lies. The only weapon the enemy has, he has no power. All he has is lies. So when it says that we are to wrestle, we are not to wrestle the devil because he doesn't have power. We are to wrestle lies until they line up with truth. And how many know sometimes that can be a very hard wrestling match? I'm not wrestling the devil. I'm wrestling this lie that's right here. And I got to take that lie and I got to, here's the lie. Here's what the word of the Lord says is true. I'm going to wrestle this thing until it lines up with this thing. Come on, somebody. Oh, does that make sense? That's what we wrestle. So when that lie comes into your mind, don't just give in to it. Don't patty cake around with it. Don't play around with it. Wrestle it until it lines up with truth. You're going to know it lines up with truth when what you're thinking is truth instead of the lie you used to think. That's really good. Come on, that's so good. That is so helpful to all of us. If we'll wrestle those things to the truth of the word of the Lord. Now, now we're laying in bed, we're at work, we're in the car, whatever. And now we're thinking. And what are we thinking about? We're thinking about truth. And everything that tries to pop in our mind that is not truth or holy or righteous or of a good report, we wrestle it until it lines up with truth. Now, that's not always easy. Can I get a witness? It's not always easy to do that. But it's right. And it's what we feed. 
You're like, I just don't feel like wrestling. I'm just going to dwell on it. Okay, well, what you're doing is you're feeding. And it's just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Amen? Peace. Peace. Life. Oh, hallelujah. Peace in our minds. Peace in our homes. Life. Strength. Power. It comes when we feed the right things. Somebody said amen. And so what we need to do, what we need to do as Christians is we need to take introspective looks at our life and ask God to help us, talk to us. God, I want, I want, you, to, I want you to show me everywhere in my life that I'm feeding something that is wrong. Where I'm feeding something that is leading me to be carnal. That I'm feeding something that is leading me into a place where I'm, a vi- I'm falling, failing. And then we need to have the strength and the conviction to remove that thing from our lives. It doesn't matter what it is. You hear me? I said it doesn't matter what it is. If it is, if it is something that is feeding wrong thoughts, we need to be willing. See, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But here's what we do. Here's what we do. And you know this is what we do. We say this. We come, we fail. We come, we pray. We get renewed. We get forgiven. And then we say, okay, I'm strong now. I'm strong now. I can overcome that thing now. So I can keep the thing in my life because now I'm strong enough to overcome it. 80% of it's good. The 20% is where I fail. But, I'm man, I feel good in the Holy Ghost. I just talked in tongues and I shouted all over the church. And so I can keep that thing in my life because I'm stronger than that thing. But the problem is, is we don't live here. And Monday comes and Tuesday comes and Wednesday comes. And then Friday morning comes and we have a bad day and something happens and we get mad and we get whatever. And we don't pray for a few days. Come on. And stuff happens in our life. And then all of a sudden, we go back to the thing. The thing that we thought we had power to overcome. So we kept it in our lives. And we go back to it. And what do we do? We fail again. And then we come back to the house of the Lord and we repent and we get it. Oh, God, I'm strong, I'm strong. So now I can overcome it. I can keep that thing in my home, keep that thing in my life, keep that thing, whatever, because I'm strong enough. And then it's just this cycle. Come on, somebody. Over and over and over and over and over again. And we never walk in true liberty. We never walk in true freedom. We never walk in true peace. It's a cycle. Because the enemy convinces us and we believe his lie. Oh, you're strong now. You don't need to get rid of that thing. You're strong. Yeah, I'm strong. So we keep it to the moment of weakness and then we fail. So this is, this is what the Holy Ghost is talking to us about. We need to, we need to look in our lives for those things. Where are those doors? Where, what are we feeding in, in our eye gates and ear gates? What are we feeding with our minds? What are we feeding that is a detriment to our spiritual walk with God? And whatever that is, we need to be willing to get it out of our lives. Somebody said amen. I mean, no, there might be some friends. We need to say bye-bye to. Come on now. But every time you're connected with them, every time you're around them, every time you're with them, it just always seems to pull carnality out of you. Find yourself backbiting. You, t- you find yourself gossiping. Come on. You're like, well, I don't, I don't gossip with anybody. But I get around this person, and for some reason, we just start talking about everybody. See, this is the stuff that we're talking about, that we need to be willing to say, you know what, I probably just shouldn't hang out with them. Or whatever. 
Whatever it is, people, things, whatever it is. And we need to be willing and an understanding to have, uh, to get these things out of our lives. Because what's most important? Most important is to have peace and to have life, to be saved, to move forward in the things of God. Amen. That's the most important. Everything else should be secondary. Stand. Give you hope here. Stand. Just stuff just keeps coming. But Jesus, Jesus said, what did he say? He said, if your eye offends you, if your hand offends you. So somebody, somebody said, oh, preacher, you're, you're saying I should get rid of this or I should get rid of this thing. Jesus, <laughs> if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Now, I, I'm not telling you to pluck your eye out and cut your hand off. I'm just saying, I think he was, I don't know what he was saying, Brother Rodas. It very well could have been he was saying, pluck your eye out, cut your hand off. Because it's better to go to heaven maimed than to hell whole. So, but if, you, if we don't want to take it to that severity, the point is all this other stuff that we have, because of our culture, have decided is so important. When you view it in light of plucking your eye out and cutting your hand off, it's not near as important. Well, there's another preacher telling us, I got to get rid of this or got to get rid of that because, you know, it's detrimental to my... Jesus, <laughs> I never told you, I personally never told you one time to cut your hand off. But Jesus did. So don't give me flack. We should be able to go, we should, whatever links we got to go to. So that when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing. When we walk on streets of gold, whatever we have to do. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There's not going to be one thing we give up on this earth that when we step on streets of gold, we're going to regret. Not one. Not one. Not one. And we need, to, we need to check our hearts. If we resist and if we fight against this kind of teaching because, oh, I don't want to get rid of that. And I, I, you know, what am I feeding? I'm feeding, you know, 20 hours of media and 20 seconds of the Bible. And I'm tired of people talking to me about If we resist this and when this kind of teaching uh, goes forth and we have something that rises up against, against that in our hearts, we need to check that spirit. We need to understand where's that spirit coming from. Why, why am I resisting this, this teaching that's just trying to get me to heaven? Where is that spirit coming from? I'm telling you, the enemy of our soul. You just keep it. It's fine. You can do it. You can, have, you can be okay. You can, right? Oh, hallelujah. Because he knows this is the thing that's going to hurt us and hinder us. Amen, amen, amen. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, thank you for talking to my heart tonight, Jesus. God, if nobody else received anything, I, I received something tonight, Jesus. But I think more than just I receive things, God. Thank you for talking to this great church. Thank you for talking to these precious people. Thank you for talking to my precious brothers and sisters in the Lord tonight. Help us, Lord God, to feed the right things. Everything in us that shouldn't be in us, God, help us to starve it until it dies. Help us to feed that which is holy, feed that which is righteous. Help us to think upon things that are pure and holy and of a good report. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody said amen. The Bible likens the devil as a lion, and there's a verse in Scripture that says, The old lion perisheth for lack of prey. If the lion can't eat, the lion dies. The devil is a roaring lion.
Let him roar all he wants, just don't let him eat. And the roars will get quieter and quieter and quieter, and then that thing's going to die in your life. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Ushers, make your way to your fund if you would. They'll be up here in dismissal, receive any tithes and offerings, any giving. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. Thank you for being faithful with your uh, commitments financially according to the scripture. And uh, I know the Lord is going to bless you uh, for that. How many are glad you came to church tonight? Can we just give the Lord one more hand clap of praise? Amen. Amen. This Sunday is going to be an awesome, awesome day. Amen. It is our all-campus service. Amen. We only have one of these a year, and uh, this, is, this is it. It's going to be awesome, awesome time. All of our campuses are coming together to worship together and uh, to pray together, to just uh, uh, lift up Jesus together. It's going to be an awesome time. You do not want to miss it, and uh, that's this Sunday. Uh, uh, we... Uh, we need to set up the basement once children's service is out uh, with some tables. So if there's a couple young guys that wouldn't mind to go down there and uh, help set that up, uh, uh, we, would, we would be thankful uh, for that. Amen. The youth will be going to Team Combat next Saturday. Sign up is on Realm. Any questions, you can see the youth team and uh, community groups Tuesday, January 9th. So we make sure you're aware of everything that's going on, and uh, we love you so very much. Amen. God bless you. You're released into the harvest field. Amen. I love you. Shake somebody's hand. Let somebody know how much you love them in Jesus' name. God bless